You're getting the most out of being at a game with American Express. The card member entrance, the lounge, and out tip off. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Ah! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Welcome back to the Hang Time Podcast. My name is John Schumann of NBA.com. I am home in New Jersey. My man Sean Powell joins me from L.A., I believe. The 2018-19 season is in the books with the Toronto Raptors winning their first ever NBA championship, taking game six of the finals on Thursday at Golden State. Their third win at Oracle Arena in the series, their fourth win at Oracle Arena this season. Kawhi Leonard is your finals MVP, his second finals MVP. He joins Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. LeBron James is the only players to win finals MVP with two different teams. Fred Van Vliet got himself a a finals MVP vote from uh, ESPN's Hubie Brown, thanks to some of the big shots that he hit, as well as his his defense on Stephen Curry. And before we could even really get into the offseason, we got the big news that Anthony Davis is heading to the Los Angeles Lakers in a deal that was reported on Saturday. That deal won't officially go through until July 6th, we believe. We'll get to that later in the show. We'll also uh, do a quick uh, preview of Thursday's NBA draft. But we need to give the Toronto Raptors some love, first of all. Winning their first NBA championship. Like I said, winning three games at Oracle Arena, obviously, you know, we have to put into context that the Warriors were missing Kevin Durant for all but 12 minutes of the series. Durant obviously suffering a brutal Achilles tear uh, early in the second quarter of Game 5. And then Game 6, Clay Thompson having himself an incredible game, an incredible series, suffering a torn ACL early in the second half of Game 6. Obviously, those two injuries have huge repercussions beyond that series and into free agency and into the future of the Warriors. But let's focus on Toronto, Sean. What is your takeaway on the Raptors after a terrific series and also just a terrific postseason and when in, in which they faced adversity quite a bit, down 2-1 to Philly, down 2-0 to Milwaukee? Sean, what's your biggest takeaway from from what the Raptors accomplished? I'll give you the rundown about what I like. Make that what I love. I love the fact that the Raptors were able to take three games at Oracle, which is uh, obviously a tough place to play to even take one game. I love the fact that Fred Van Bleet made some big shots in the fourth quarter of the clinching game. This is a guy who's pretty much unheralded coming out of college. I love the fact that Kawhi Leonard came in and was like a boss, you know, played well through really through the entire playoffs. But, you know, especially when the stakes were highest in the NBA finals, I love what Masai Ujiri did to get Kawhi, roll the dice a little bit, getting Marcus Gasol in the trade. And Marcus Gasol is one of the, the good guys in the NBA. I love the fact he got a championship. I love how Nick Nurse came from really, no, you know, the, the coaching hinderlands to 
be an NBA championship coach. And finally, I love the fact that Canada gets to celebrate an NBA championship. So I want to put all that out there first, because what's about to follow is people are going to call me a hater. And I'm not. I'm a realist. The bottom line is the Raptors, their timing was probably better than their talent. They came along at the right time in an NBA championship, play the Golden State Warriors without Ke- well, Kevin Durant playing 11 minutes, Clay Thompson missing one game completely, and then Clay Thompson getting injured in the, in the clinching game. I think we can point that out without people saying I'm disrespecting the Raptors. I'm not disrespecting the Raptors. I just listed all the reasons why I loved what they did. But I'm being a realist. They took advantage of a situation and kudos for them to win an NBA championship. And if I had to list the last, I don't know, dozen or so NBA champions, they would probably rank among the least inspiring only because they took advantage of an injured Warriors team. Kudos to them. Kudos to Canada, Kawhi Leonard, Nick Nurse, Masai Ujiri, Fred, uh, Marcus Gasol, and all the gang on a championship, uh, which I think they're going to celebrate today as they should and celebrate madly. Yeah. As we, as we are taping this, the parade is going on and it's already been delayed because the streets are too crowded and the buses can't move quickly enough through the parade route. And in regards to your point about timing, I think it also helped that they were catching the Warriors at the end of this five-year run. I don't want to say the end, but like in year five of this run, because even if you disregard the injuries, the Warriors just weren't as good of a team this year as they were in the past. And it, 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 it showed up in their defense. They finished the playoffs as the 11th ranked defense in the playoffs of 16 teams. That tells you just how, you know, Poorly, they, you know, they defended, I think, overall. They had moments of great defense, but they, in, the consistency of years past wasn't there on that end of the floor. And if you just look at the Raptors' offensive numbers, like that was their best offensive series, I believe, of the four that they played. And so that tells you, you know, like they struggled offensively against Philly. They struggled uh, at times against Milwaukee, but they, you know, there was only one game, game two against in the finals was the only real, you know, not great offensive game for the Raptors. You know, they, their offense was really good. Uh, you guys, you mentioned a lot of them. We can't forget Kyle Lowry, obviously having a, a huge series, not necessarily uh, scoring wise, but, you know, just filling in, you know, doing everything that he does. And then in game six, he did come out uh, on fire, um, sort of put the the team on his shoulders that first few minutes um, and said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to come out aggressive. And I think that was a big key to game six. Obviously we don't know if, if the Raptors win that game, if, if Clay Thompson doesn't tear his ACL, I mean, that we can't, I think we should go back to that. Like that was just an incredible moment. The guy, tears his ACL, gets taken into the back. There's a timeout plus a review for the for the foul on Dan, that, that Danny Green committed. It was just a, a standard, you know, shot contest foul. And then Clay comes running back and is a, sort of a Willis Reed moment, uh, running back out of the tunnel to come shoot the free throws. He makes both free throws. And then as he's running back, he, it seems like he's trying to, to run off the injury, like he's trying to shake it off, thinking that he's going to keep playing. The Warriors can commit a foul so they can sub him out and get him checked out. At that point, you know, I think he tells Steve Kerr, I'll be back in a few minutes. And obviously at that point, they go back and, and you know, they realize just how uh, serious an injury he had. And then we learn, I think, basically 
less than two hours after the game finished that he has a, a torn ACL. So it's obviously a brutal injury um, to a guy that, like I said, was just having a fantastic series and is a free agent. And same thing with Kevin Durant, although Durant has a as a player option. But speaking of free agents, Sean, is Kawhi Leonard more or less likely to stay in Toronto after winning a championship? I, I don't know if this is a, a, a question that we can answer definitively, um, but what are your thoughts on Kawhi free agency after leading that team to a championship? There's got to be some sort of sentiment of running it back. Or is there a, hey, I did my job, I delivered a championship, and now I can move on knowing that you know, Canada is going to still think fondly of of my one year in, in, in Toronto. I suspect that whatever the consensus thinks that Kawhi is going to do, he's going to do the opposite. Only because that's who Kawhi is. And, and I really can't speak to what he will do. I don't know him. I don't know what his motives are. I don't know what his goals are, his, you know, the financial incentive, all those things. Uh, only he can answer that. But I'll play along and tell you what I think he should do. I think he should leave. There's nothing else to be gained by staying in Toronto. It really isn't. You came, you won the championship, move on. Nobody, you will still be hailed as a hero in that country and in the city of Toronto when you come back in a different uniform. They're going to play a video montage and you're going to get a standing ovation along with your championship ring. It's all, it's, it's going to be all love. No one in Toronto is going to hold it against you. So from that standpoint, if he cares about, by the way, if he cares about that summit, and I'm not so sure he does, because if he did, he wouldn't have left San Antonio because he, he didn't exactly get a hero's welcome when he returned as a member of the Raptors to play the Spurs this season. And the Spurs fans usually are quite mild and, you know, they let him have it. We're not going to get into whether he deserved it or not and all that stuff. But just staying on topic here, uh, I would leave. You know, I look at the Raptors and again, I suspect a year from now, I wouldn't be shocked if the Raptors didn't get out of first round. I, I think that, again, I think this is a team that took great advantage of timing. Philadelphia could be better. Um, I'm not going to say Boston will be better, but Milwaukee will be and, and Giannis will be chopping at the bit. You know, I, I think that there's going to be some threats. Who knows what Indiana's going to do? Oladipo can get healthier and they may add a piece. So I wouldn't be surprised if Toronto didn't even get to the Eastern Conference Finals next year, uh, even with Kawhi if he stayed. So if I'm Kawhi... Oh, all right. Okay. All right. All right. Keep going. Keep going. No, no. I mean, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't. You just never know what's going to happen this summer with teams adding players. You, you just don't know. Marcus Soule's older. Uh, Kyle Lowry's older. You know, they were down 0-2 to Milwaukee. Uh, yeah, they came back. Give them credit for that. But I'm just not, I, I'm just not here to say Toronto's going to be the out-and-out out favorite to come out of the East next year. Uh, but anyway, about Kawhi Leonard, I would go to a place where I wanted to live and I wanted to play. I'm not so sure. We all know that Toronto was not his first choice as a, as a place to live and probably not as a place to play. He even said that in his in his championship wrap-up press conference. You know, uh, he said, "You know, the places where I wanted to go, and Toronto wasn't one of them." Now it, it worked out well. So I would go to the Clippers. Uh, I think that that's a great place for him. I think they've got Jerry West in the front office. It's got the wealthiest owner in sports and Steve Ballmer. Doc Rivers, fantastic coach, good supporting cast, and the supporting cast, with the exception of Danilo Gallinari, they're all on manageable team-friendly contracts, which means the Clippers can even, you know, 
with the right moves and everything, they can even add more pieces. Obviously, if he goes to the Lakers, well, you know, that'll be interesting in and of itself, too. But I think one way or the other, I think he's going west. I think he's going home. Uh, he's from the uh, L.A. area. I think that uh, he would get just as warm a reception or almost as warm a reception and with the Lakers or the Clippers than he would get next year at, in, uh, in Toronto. And if he goes to the Lakers, he'd have a better chance of winning a championship than if he stayed in Toronto. All right. There's a lot to take in. Well, I'll, I'll just say uh, one thing that you mentioned, like, yeah, uh, Toronto wasn't one of his you know, desired destinations. And it, it brings up a thought that I have. It's like when that trade first occurred and, okay, he's going to a team he didn't want to play for, he didn't necessarily want to play for, and he's going to be there for a year. I think there was questions about, okay, how engaged is he going to be with the Raptors? And obviously, you know, give him credit for obviously being engaged and not sort of like, cause we can look at Anthony Davis in new Orleans um, this past season. And you can say that's a star player that was not engaged 100%. And, and you saw it um, in the results with the Pelicans and how, um, you know, they fell off from the year before when they made the playoffs, made the second round, you know, and, and if Kawhi goes there and just sort of plays out the season and just says, you know what, all right, I'll, I'll spend here and then I'll spend a year here and I'll play it out and whatever, you know, then it, we obviously have a different result. But the fact that he went there and he gave the Raptors everything and, and they can well, 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 John, he had incentive to play well. Number one, he was coming off. That's true. A, a very bad uh, ending in San Antonio where the world thought he was, he was dogging it and everything. Uh, so he had every incentive in the world to play hard for Toronto, if only to just change the sentiment about him. And also, you know, he's going into a year of free agency. Anthony Davis had nothing to lose by doing what he did because he knew that his future was paved in gold no matter what. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think Kawhi wanted to be there in the first place. But now when he got traded to Toronto, and it realized that LeBron James is in the West and the East was wide open and he had a chance to win a championship. And plus, he's a baller. He loves to play basketball. So the, the bottom line is this is a storybook year for him because he managed to erase the bad vibes uh, from what happened in San Antonio. He was healthy through the entire season. He won a championship. And his value right now is at an all-time high. Yeah, that's a good point about uh, sort of having to erase the year where he played, I guess it was nine games with San Antonio. And and I think that comes into a, a play when you talk about what his next contract could look like. You could say, hey, he can run it back with the Raptors on a short-term deal, one a two-year deal with a player option in the second year and basically redo free agency a year from now. Or um, maybe because of that lost year in San Antonio that he's looking for, you know, and, and the injury that came with it, he's looking for long-term security where he's going to sign a four or five year deal, no matter what we will see how that plays out. I think that's a, a part of the equation um, with his free agency and, and with the free agency of any star player like he is. Let's go back to golden state for one second. What do you, what, what are the Warriors going to do? Clay Thompson is a unrestricted free agent, no option. He is definitely a free agent. I think the assumption is they give him uh, a max contract and re understand that they are paying basically for him to rehab next season. I think that's a safe assumption. Uh, you can disagree with me if, if on that if you'd like. And then Durant, 
Durant has a player option for next year. He could exercise that and then put off free agency for one year and rehab on the Warriors' dime and then just make a decision next year. He could opt out and stay with the Warriors on a new contract. Um, obviously, I think they would do, I think they would obviously give him a new contract if that's what he wants, understanding that, again, he's going to be rehabbing on their dime for one year. And then, you know, they can start to run it back in the 2020-21 season. Or Durant can obviously leave and uh, go somewhere else, knowing that next year is probably lost and then starting from scratch in, in 2020. What do we... And then the other thing with the Warriors is that Draymond Green is uh, eligible for an extension. DeMarcus Cousins is a free agent. Kevon Looney is a free agent. Um, those are two big pieces for either them or somebody else. Sean, what's your sort of projection for the Warriors? What should they do? What do you think the players should do with this team? I think the Warriors have a rare window here to get an infusion of young talent. and But of course, in order to do that, they have to go against probably a lot of what they stand for. I would use next year to thank. I would give um, Clay the maximum contract and tell him, you're not playing next year. I would give Kevin Durant the maximum contract. Hopefully he takes it. And if he does, I say, you're not playing next year. Now, no, Kevin may not even have a choice. But the bottom line is I'd say, you guys are just sitting out a year. I'll give you a ton of money. Just go go to Cabo. Enjoy yourself. Rehab. See you in the following year. Uh, I would put Steph Curry on a minutes restriction next year. I would bring back uh, Looney and use next year to develop him and some young players. And I would tank. I would use this opportunity to get into the draft lottery uh, next summer. I'm not worried about the fans. Number one. Those tickets at the new arena are already paid for between now and the, what, next five, six, seven years. There's going to be sellouts all night. I'm not worried about that. Fans will just be happy to be in the new arena. And I think the smart fans will realize what we're doing. We are retooling for the, for the, the, the 2021 season. Death comes back. If we protect him health-wise, he comes back. He's ready to play. Clay Thompson, healthy, ready to play. Kevin Durant, healthy, ready to play. That, num- that, that number one pick we get in the lottery, we can have that infusion of young talent. The Warriors haven't been able to have a player uh, back to that simply because they, they win all the time. So they, they, you know, they, they haven't been able to take advantage of that. Uh, but now you're adding a possibly an intriguing young player to a veteran mix. As far as Draymond Green, see, that's a tough call right there. Uh, I think if his contract demands are reasonable, I give him an extension. But if they're unreasonable, you have a chance to trade him and maybe also get something back in return, uh, maybe another pick, maybe a young player, whatever. The bottom line is I put my entire team in a holding pattern for one year. You're not going to win a championship next year anyway without uh, maybe you get two months of clay and you probably won't get KD at all. Take advantage of that situation. Uh, protect your assets. Protect Steph get into the lottery and then be ready to go the following season. Yeah. Interesting. Like the, the trade option with Draymond Green is interesting because I always find him to be basically the person, perfect compliment to Steph Curry. And you don't, you don't know his value um, on another team. Maybe there's, you know, value in a sim uh, alongside a similar player, like a Damian Lillard or somebody like that. He could have similar value, but yeah, it's, it's always a question. He seems always to be a, you know, a perfect fit for, for what the Warriors need alongside Curry and Thompson. So it, there's always a question of where, how he would, if his value is the same anywhere else. 
from the Warriors' perspective, yes, obviously we you bring back Clay, you bring back Durant, but obviously Durant, uh, I think Clay, it, it's hard to see him leaving. But Durant, I mean, it was it's been speculated for forever that this guy is leaving. You know, like at the end of this year. You know, obviously the the the, the location was also speculated for a long time, but that doesn't matter. But I'm just talking about like his desire to do something else with his career. Do you think the injury changes that? Does well. Yeah, and, and, and John, you raise a, a very good point. But I think the injury uh, has changed that a bit. Uh, if Durant is looking for a challenge, he has a challenge to come back from injury and stay with the Warriors. If he goes someplace else, first of all, if he were to go to say the Knicks, who's going to ride shotgun with him? I mean, who else is? If, if I'm if I'm Kevin Durant, I'm like, okay, I'm here. I'm missing a year, but who else is going to be with me? I, I mean, careers are short. I think. Durant probably got a taste of his own mortality with this injury. I think it probably changes his mindset. I think he wants that bag of money, you know, that the Warriors can give him. They can pay him more than than anybody in terms of years and and money. I think he says, you know what, I'm going to take this money. I'm going to rehab. And, you know, I wanted a challenge pre-injury. Before I was injured, I I wanted a challenge maybe to go to another team and let that be my team. Well, now I have a challenge. It's a different sort of challenge. And I can come back. And we can be retooled and everyone's writing us off saying, you know, we got the injuries and things like that will never be the same. So I have a challenge in front of me, if that's what he wants, if, if, this, if that is indeed his mindset. And I suspect, John, I agree with you. I suspect that that probably was part of his mindset before the injury where he can go to, you know, his own team and call it his own and all that stuff, whatever. I personally wouldn't care. I would never leave Steph Curry. Are you kidding me? It, it, it's hard to find another MVP type all-time great player who doesn't mind having you around. And I think if Kevin Durant were to go someplace else and get somebody similar to Steph, which of course is easier said than done, then there was, there could be, the chance of friction there between the two, because we can go through history and, and see where, you know, sometimes when stars get together, it's, all, it's not all that smooth. But anyway, from Kevin Durant, I mean, look, I take the safe road this time. Careers are short. I think he got a taste of his own mortality. I think he can stay with the Warriors, spend a year rehabbing, come back and have the challenge of beating the defending champion, LeBron James, Anthony Davis in the Los Angeles Lakers in two years. <laughs> All right, let's go. All right, I think we've talked Warriors enough. Let's move on to those Los Angeles Lakers. So the trade agreed to, uh, we believe, on Saturday to L.A. is Anthony Davis and then to New Orleans, Lonzo Ball, who has two more years left on his rookie contract. Brandon Ingram, who has one more year left on his uh, rookie contract and would be extension eligible this summer. And Josh Hart, two more years left on his uh, rookie contract. Those are the three players. And then there is a bevy of draft considerations. First, the number four pick in this year's draft. I think we can't ignore the fact that the Lakers were moved up from 11th in in the lottery odds to fourth. And that probably helps them get this deal done. Um, that fourth pick is obviously a lot uh, juicier than than the 11th pick. The next pick is 2021. If it falls into the top eight, the, the Pelicans get it. Otherwise, they get the Lakers pick in 2022. Um, in 2023, the Pelicans have the rights to swap picks with the Lakers. And then they also get the Lakers 2024 unprotected pick, but they could 
choose to defer until 2025 on that one. That is a lot of stuff. And uh, that's all from reporting from ESPN and the LA Times, by the way. Give credit to them for getting all the details here. So obviously with the Warriors injuries, the Western Conference is wide open for next season. And I think that maybe plays a role in the Lakers' sense of urgency here. You talked about Kevin Durant getting a taste of his own mortality. I think the same thing happened with LeBron James this past season, where with him suffering the worst injury of his career. Um, I think there's a certain urgency there. Of course, the Lakers are giving up a lot, and LeBron James is 34. He's going to be turning 35 in December. And so his shelf life is somewhat limited. But of course, Anthony Davis is only 26. Um, this isn't quite the Brooklyn-Boston trade where Brooklyn was trading for guys that were in their mid-30s. Sean, your initial reaction or any delayed reaction from this this deal? What's your what's your what's your primary focus in regard to this trade? Well, usually when superstars are traded, you get basically sixty cents on the dollar. Uh, I think David Griffin probably got maybe eighty five ninety ninety cents, and if it all works out, he probably got the better end of the deal. Uh, that all depends on a couple factors. Uh, number one, uh, and about. Three years or so, the Lakers are terrible. Uh, Anthony Davis is hurt, or he decides not to stay in L.A., and the Lakers are reeling. Uh, a worst-case scenario for New Orleans is Anthony Davis spends the next several years in L.A., and Kuzma takes the next step. That means even with or without LeBron James, the Lakers are still going to be pretty good. And those picks that he uh, receives from the, those future picks and those swaps that he receives from the Lakers probably be a minimal leverage. Uh, but uh, I, I think David Griffin did the best he could, probably be- better than I even thought. And if the Lakers are bad, uh, man, it's a bonanza there. Basically, what Griffin did was, uh, look, they lost Anthony Davis. But what David Griffin did was pretty much assure that if the Lakers are bad, they're not going to lose Zion Williamson because they will be constantly have the assets to either use in the draft and get more players to help Zion Williamson, or they can use those uh, draft picks to trade and help Zion Williamson. This is all designed to make Zion Williamson a member of the New Orleans Pelicans beyond his rookie contract. And I think that that was a very smart move by David Griffin. But looking at it from the Lakers' end, uh, look, I think if the Lakers win a championship, Uh, with LeBron James, and it doesn't matter. You achieve what you wanted to achieve with LeBron James. I wouldn't worry about where those picks are going to land or if I'm going to suffer like the Brooklyn Nets. Well, the the Brooklyn Nets did to an extent when they gave up their picks uh, to the Celtics. The bottom line is you've got to win a championship with LeBron James in uniform, and he still has something to give. And I think the Lakers gave themselves that opportunity. Because look at next season. You start with Anthony Davis, who I believe might even be better than LeBron James right now if we take into account both ends of the floor. Uh, You've got Davis, you've got LeBron James, you've got Kyle Kuzma, who you didn't have to sacrifice in the trade, and you're going to add one more player. And the key is who's going to be that one more player through free agency, uh, depending on how much money the Lakers have to spend. Is it going to be uh, Kemba Walker? Is it going to be Kyrie Irving? I mean, let's even push and say it's going to be Kawhi Leonard. They've got to add that one more player. And I think making this trade makes it easier for the Lakers to add that one more player because that player is going to come into a mix that's championship ready. Uh, one other thing that we have to talk about here that we didn't discuss is with Brandon Ingram. You know, he's coming up that blood clot. 
uh, situation. I don't know the extent of that right now, whether or not that's going to limit him either next season for the rest of his career. Who knows? But I would like to know more about his health situation because if he is healthy, if I'm New Orleans, I would do the smart thing and extend him, uh, you know, this summer um, while you can, because that's just one more player you have on the contract. But look, this has the opportunity to work out very well uh, for both teams. The Lakers can win now, and the New Orleans Pelicans can win uh, in about four or five years. Yeah, post-trade, you know, the Lakers' depth chart looks great in the front court. You have Kuzma, LeBron, and and Anthony Davis. Otherwise, other under. Otherwise, under contract, they basically have Mo Wagner and somebody named Isaac Bonga, who I don't know if I've ever seen play. And then their backcourt is completely empty. They have nobody under contract that plays either guard position. Um, their free agents are uh, Rajon Rondo, uh, Reggie Bullock, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and Lance Stevenson. All those guys can play a guard position, but who knows if um, any of them will be back uh, in L.A. So obviously, free agency is about filling out the backcourt um, and whether they go for one star and then have to sort of settle for minimum contracts beyond that, or whether they try to use that cap space to, to get sort of more mid-level guys, multiple mid-level guys uh, to fill out that backcourt. Obviously Walker would be a, a, a really good compliment to James and Davis and that um, he can take some of the playmaking load off of LeBron's shoulders but also can play off the ball, although he wasn't a very good uh, off-the-catch three-point shooter this past season. In fact, he was pretty bad. Um, but I think, for the most part, that would be a, a pretty good compliment. Um, I think going forward with the Lakers, like LeBron's got to defend better. <laughs> if they're going to be a true championship contender, um, LeBron's got to start playing some defense again. Um, we, we will see if, if that happens. Uh, going forward, obviously with his age and with his uh, with the burden that he carries offen- offensively, um, his defense the last couple of seasons has been poor to terrible. Um, and so we'll see if 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 Anthony Davis one can sort of uh, cover up for some of LeBron's deficiencies on that end of the floor, or uh, at least get him uh, more motivated to play uh, defense. New Orleans, they have a, a, a very nice-looking backcourt. Uh, I think uh, Lonzo Ball and Drew Holiday could make a fantastic defensive backcourt. I mean, those are two really good defensive guards. Um, and then you have Ingram and uh, the assumed number one pick, uh, Zion Williamson, at the forward positions. they got to be looking for a center at some point, although, you know, obviously they're about the future, and so they don't necessarily need to to, to go – um, do some do serious free agent shop shopping uh, this summer. We uh, it's been reported that Julius Randle is going to opt out of his contract. Um, he's not that old, you know. He's 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 I think he's only twenty four. So Julius Randle, like sort of age wise, could fit in New Orleans. I just don't know if if the Pelicans will be sort of ready to commit to the kind of money that that Randall would want um, coming off a, a career year. He averaged more than 21 points per game this year. He may be seeking a bigger contract than the, the Pelicans are willing to co- uh, commit to um, at this stage in their sort of new rebuild. So that is quite a, a trade. I think we should, in this discussion, wonder where this leaves the Boston Celtics, who were in the mix for Anthony Davis, we believe, but I think they were probably not willing to commit Jason Tatum 
to an Anthony Davis trade if they didn't if they weren't sure that they were going to be getting Kyrie Irving back in free agency. And I think obviously they're not sure that they're getting Kyrie Irving back in free agency. And so Boston now has uh still has Jason Tatum, still has Jalen Brown, um, Irving a free agent, Terry Rozier, a restricted free agent. They have Marcus Smart, they have Gordon Hayward. Al Horford has a player option. He could opt in and stay another year. He could opt out and uh, re-sign with the Celtics um, longer term. Sean, what's your initial sort of thoughts on where Boston goes from here? Well, uh, I think first and foremost, uh, the Kyrie Irving uh, experiment in Boston just didn't work out to to where the Boston Celtics had hoped. Uh, he was injured in the playoffs two years ago, his first year with the Celtics. Last year, obviously, couldn't get him over the hump, and there was, you know, some conflicts about his questions about his leadership, and a lot of other things came into play that just really made it uh, unsettling. Uh, and I, I suspect he's going to, you know, he's going to leave and go someplace else. Um, so. The Celtics had hoped a couple years ago when they made that trade with uh, Cleveland, they had hoped that, number one, Kyrie Irving would help lead them to a championship. And, you know, he was coming to a good team, and that was a realistic thought. And, and B, that he would be there long term. Well, and they, they, they may go over two in that situation. And that's really the worst-case scenario because uh, Gordon Hayward, you know, I don't know if it's the injury or, or, or whatever, but he's not the Utah Gordon Hayward. Uh, so that's been a negative. Uh, Jason Tatum, I don't think had, I don't think he took the next step from his rookie year this year. I, I mean, I don't know if the Celtics overvalued him and, and the Anthony Davis trade talks or whatever. But also, another reason why Boston made that trade because I think Anthony Davis would have been he would he would have been a rental. And and uh, unlike the Kawhi Leonard trade in Toronto. See, Kawhi came to a, a team that still had talent and everything. Uh, Anthony Davis would have come to a stripped-down Boston team that was not ready to win a championship. So there lies the difference and, and the peril of making an Anthony Davis trade and giving up Jason Tatum, maybe, maybe Jalen Brown. Who, who do you have left? Um, you, you're probably the New Orleans Pelicans of the North uh, if you give up too much in, in, in that proposed deal. So where do the Celtics stand now? I mean, well – you know that they have to hope their young players, you know, take a next step next season. Uh, I guess they're they're engaged in contract extension talks with Al Horford. Uh, I'd be really interested in how much they're going to give him because you know the guests are protecting your cap. And the bottom line is when 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 Danny Ainge made that deal with the Brooklyn Nets involving Paul Pierce and Kate and, and KG to get all those picks, we haven't seen. The Celtics take advantage of that mother load, and they may never will. Yeah, I think I think the worst case is they still have Jason Tatum, who is 21 years old. They still have Jalen Brown, who will be 23 at the beginning of next season. They still have Marcus Smart, who's still only 25 years old. So they they still have. I mean, there's a lot of teams in this league that are that would love to have you know those three guys to build off of. And you're right, Tatum did not take uh, a much of a step forward this season. I still think Tatum and Brown, is a, is there's a lot of talent there. And if they can sort of focus on the development of those two guys over the next couple of years, um, they will be in pretty good shape. 
and it's interesting that you you know that the the Nets trade you know one of the things that the the Brooklyn trade yielded was Kyrie Irving in that um, the last pick um, that they got from Brooklyn was traded to Cleveland um, became Colin Sexton um, was traded to Cleveland for Ir- in the in the Irving trade and then now obviously there's lots of uh, rumors that Irving will be, uh, you know, Irving wants to go to Brooklyn, Brooklyn, who, um, you know, I don't think we ever discussed on this on, on the podcast made that trade of Alan Crabb's contract to Atlanta to clear more cap space, um, thinking that, um, they could get two free agents, maybe Irving, maybe it was an Irving and Durant package at the time that they were thinking about. Um, I'm sure they will reach out to Kawhi Leonard, um, I've said it before on here. There are a lot of former Spurs people in that Brooklyn organization, and maybe it's a Irving Tobias Harris combination or something to that effect. Um, or you know Jimmy Butler. Uh, the Sixers obviously a big team in free agency um, with Butler, Harris, and JJ Redick all being free agents. Free agency begins uh, at 6 p.m. Eastern on June 30th. Before that, we have the draft this Thursday. I think the the draft there's a pretty strong consensus with the top three picks that go to uh, New Orleans, uh, Memphis, and New York in that order, and then things start to get interesting with the number four pick, which was the Lakers, and is going to New Orleans on that in the Davis trade, and maybe possibly going somewhere else. I think uh, you know we've heard reports that the Pelicans are, are maybe looking for a taker for that number four pick so they can get um, something else in return, whether that be uh, a player or future or future considerations. I'll be honest. I am not a draft expert whatsoever. So I have no idea, you know, beyond <laughs> the, the first three picks, what's going to happen. Sean, are you looking for anything, whether it be um, the draft picks themselves or any other further action um, regarding teams uh thursday night in the draft hey hey, john i'm right with you i'm not you know i'm not a draft nick i I don't spend all of my time watching college basketball i have enough basketball to watch with the nba and besides the nba is a better product anyway um but um i think the draft begins with the number four pick i think number three pick is just you know don't, don't even bother tuning in you know just what's what you know what happens with the number four pick uh that the Pelicans have, I think they're likely to move that deal. Also, look out for Atlanta. The, the Hawks have the number eight, the number ten, and the number seventeen. I can't imagine that they will bring in uh, three rookies next year. I also think that uh, you know they'll make some moves with you know with one of those picks, if not more. And of course, you know you always have teams want to move up in the draft. Obviously, they're, they're ringing uh, David Griffin's phone right now, trying to figure out what he wants for the number four pick. But yeah, I mean. From what I understand, uh, this is a three-player draft, and then from four through, I don't know, ten, whatever, you know, you can mix and match. But look, I just want to know where Bol Bol is going. That's my man, you know. <laughs> I, I, I got, you know, I am so intrigued by this guy. Uh, first of all, I love this father, Manute Bol, when he played, and his son has some skills. I don't know if you if you watched him at Oregon before he got hurt, but I mean, he's. Of course, he's spaghetti thin, but uh, he, you know, you know, he's got a handle. He's he can shoot from range, uh, but his body is so thin. He'll get mauled underneath the basket, you know. But I just want to see where he goes. I hope he lands in a good spot, and that would just be a fantastic story. 
Yeah, I've seen clips. Um, one other thing with the draft, uh, you know, Memphis has the number two pick, and the presumed number two pick is Ja Morant, who is a uh, a ball handling guard, and that leads us leads us to the trade market. You know, I think the obviously the Davis trade was the big one, and that affects free agency. But free agency could also affect the trade market. There could be teams that strike out in free agency that are now looking to trade. Um, for a player. Um, and Mike Conley could be one of those guys, especially with Memphis uh, presumably um, drafting uh, a point guard. Uh, the, and the other name that I think of in that regard is Kevin Love and whether Cleveland is looking to get off of that contract. And if there's a team out there that would take on that contract, given um, Love having sort of a coming off a, a season where he was injured for most of the year. So I think that's another thing to watch is how does free agency affect the trade market and vice versa? Um, and how does the draft affect the free, uh, the trade market as well as, as if teams are looking to go young and then uh, trade veteran players. Memphis is just a, a weird roster post, you know, after the Gasol trade and the other trades that they made, uh, Avery Bradley deal. Um, Memphis is just a sort of a weird mix of young guys and, and veterans. And if they're going to sort of go young again, Conley is obviously a huge piece. Um, and there's obviously a lot of teams in Indiana, Utah, that would love to have a point guard like Mike Conley uh, on their roster. But we will be back on July 1st to talk draft and also whatever free agency news has come, come through at that point. Check out NBA.com and NBA TV for complete coverage of the draft, uh, the NBA awards, which are on TNT next Monday, and free agency. I'm John Schumann. Thanks to Sean Powell for joining me once again, Jonathan Hartzell for producing. Uh, be sure to subscribe to Hangtime on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please don't forget to leave a review. We'll talk to you next week. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge, now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.